Now, Thursday night, we spoke out of this particular chapter, and it says in verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. All right, so we talked about that. In my Father's house, what did we determine by the Word of God Father's house is? It's the church. That's the, not the building, the church, okay? Father's house is the church. You know that we, everybody is confused over the word mansions in there. And I've heard songs sang by singers about they're going to get to heaven and they're going to have such a mansion. All right. The word mansion appears in the Bible right here once. That's it. That's the only place. Don't know why they put it there. Actually, the Greek text would mean closer to a dwelling place. Amen? Where do you want to dwell in eternity? In a mansion or in a house or where do you want to live? Well, everybody, if they had their choice between a house and a mansion, especially if they didn't have to make payments on it, would really rather have a mansion rather than just a house. Well, in Father's house, we found out that that mansion means dwelling place or just means room. Do you know that God has room in his church for you and for me? I was thinking about it, you know, and I got to thinking. When I grew up, I lived in a home. I lived in a house. Amen? Now, there's a difference between a home and a house. We talked about that Thursday. But I lived in a place where, you know, for the most part, all of us probably did, had our own room. Isn't that something? You didn't even have to pay for it. But because you were in your father's house as you grew up, you had your own place. Huh? I knew I had my own room because when I acted up, that's where they sent me. Go to your room. Yeah, you ever heard that? Oh, yeah. Well, they don't do that anymore. You know why? Because in the room, they've got TV, Xbox, an extra telephone extension, Wi-Fi, you know. And, and the kids go to their rooms now just so they don't have to put up with the rest of the family's nonsense. Amen. They'd rather be in their room. Amen. We go visit Julie and Sarah, and we get there, and the two kids are in each of their own rooms, doing their own thing, going their own, own tablets, their own, yeah, yeah, they've got it all. And it's in their own room. Well, and we found out in 1 Corinthians, the 16th, or the 6th chapter, that in verse 19 and 20, that Paul says, we are the temple of God. Now, it is a temple and a mansion, in your mind, kind of line up, well, in 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, verse 16, it says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So when we're talking about that God has his church, and we as the people are the, if you would, bodies of that, we are the rooms in his house. Brother Steve brought up the point Thursday night. It's good to live in a house you don't have to pay rent on. Isn't that something? Because you know why? Jesus paid the price on Calvary. We found that out Thursday night. So we want to live where the Holy Spirit wants us to live. So you get saved. You're saved by uh, grace through faith. God moves you spiritually into his house and gives you a, your own room, and he doesn't even charge you for it. How about that? Rent free. Amen? God doesn't even uh, want you to think and worry about the, what's going on. All he asks us to do is abide by the house rules. Huh, how about that stuff? Well, I saw a little bit of that on the screen. Because if your parents say in your house, you're not going to... How many of you allow smoking in your house? No. How many of you allow alcohol in your house? No. How many of you allow uh, X-rated? No. We're not, you know... So what do you do? If anybody wants to bring that in, we fix some brownies. No, we don't do that. <laughs> All right. No. No, but we, when you're in my house, you have to abide by rules. Did you know that? And when I'm in it, I have to abide by Bonnie's rules. Amen. When I come in from the garage, you can guarantee there's no shoes on my feet. They are in the garage. 
That's where they belong. That's where they stay. Amen. We've got the carpet cleaned and we don't want them dirty footprints all over it anymore. All right. So God takes care of his house just like we take care of our house and we literally um, have families that we want to obey the rules in the houses that we buy. Why should I have the authority to say what rules happen at my house? Well, for 20 years plus, I've been making payments on that place. Amen. I had to sweat and toil to get those things paid for. And I don't want to just rip shod through the house and tear things up. Sometimes we have to drain the grandkids when they come in. They do that at their house. They ain't doing it in ours. Amen. We have to have a sit-down talk with them sometimes. Tell them a couple secrets. That's not the way we operate. Amen. So here again, Jesus announces that he's going to go away. And he tells that. Uh, and, of course, the first thing that comes up in these disciples' minds is, where's he going? I'm leaving. See you guys later. And it's all over for me. And it's time for me to make my exit. Stage left. So here comes Thomas. And he speaks up. Where are you going? We don't know the way. Then we have that familiar verse in verse 6 where he tells Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Don't ever forget that. Amen? Because no man comes to the Father or even the Father's house without knowing the way, the truth, and the life. That's what he was teaching him when he talked about this. So I think of it this, this way. When Jesus said, I'm leaving, I kind of think of it as he's going to make reservations. Amen? I don't know about you. When you go on vacation, do you just pack a bag and hope when you get there there'll be a room somewhere you can find? I don't think so. Because you could get there and they're all filled up and you end up sleeping in your car. Amen? What do you do? You call ahead. Well, I look at it as Jesus, when he's leaving the upper room and leaving his disciples... He's making the call ahead to make the reservations for them so that when the church is built and the church takes off, they'll have a room at Father's house. Amen? That makes sense to you? Amen. So when he gets there, of course, Father's house again, being the church, we can count on Jesus to prepare the way for us because he is the way. Amen. Well, you would think after all the teachings that Jesus has done with the disciples following him for the years that they've been together, that they would kind of be on track with what he's uh, doing, going, saying, a lot of things. In verse 8 now, we've got Philip speaking up. And say, well, you're going somewhere. We don't know where you're going. Why don't you tell us where we're going? What's going on here, Jesus? I'm confused. I, and Jesus is saying... I'm going to go to my father. And if I go to my father, I'm going to come back and get you guys. Well, yeah, he went to make reservations, right? Amen. Well, that's good, going to the father. And from now on, you guys are going to have to follow the father's leadings. Well, we don't know the father. We only know you. And Jesus said, well, if you know me, you're going to know the father. Well, we're the same. Amen. Everything I do, my father taught me, or I'm doing his will. So when you see him, you're going to recognize who he is. You know why? Because his leadings are going to be the same leadings that I taught you. It's the same. Amen. So uh, Jesus then tells not only Philip, but the other disciples, uh, God and I are pretty much the same. We're the same teachers. We're going to do everything the same. You're going to understand things the same. If you see me, you've seen the Father. Amen? Now, I can tell you something. I went to a, a reunion, and I think I'd been out of school. Of course, I left the town that I grew up in, and there was 99 in my graduating class. And when I graduated, I knew every one of them. I knew all their families. I, knew, I spent 12 years with them. Went to the same school for 12 years. Amen. Didn't learn much, but I went to the same school for 12 years. I learned a lot about all my friends and all their families and everything else. And I left. 
Jamestown, moved down south ways, hour or so away, and didn't really see any of those folks that much. Amen? Then I went to my 30-year reunion. Uh, well, when I got there, I got to see a lot of people when I went back to that school, and I said, I don't know him, but I know who his daddy is. I know who his mother is. I know where he came from. Why? Because I could see in their expressions, maybe even the way they walked or talked. Oh, it was a dead giveaway of who they were raised by. Amen? So I went back there when my boys went to school there, and when I was around them, I knew all those kids, or at least I knew their parents, because they were the same way as their parents that I went to school with. Amen. So when we get to those places and you see, well, I knew Jesus physically, the disciples might say, but I never did see the Father. Well, no, you can't see the Father physically. You can only see him spiritually. Amen? So when you see the spiritual things take place, you know he's related to the one that you knew physically. Now notice here in verse 10, let me read it. Believest thou that thou not that I am the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak of myself. I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me. He doeth the works. Huh. Now I know there's some confusion between the flesh and the Spirit, and Jesus is trying to clear that up. Now, we're going to see that it happens real um, quick here for the, the apostles because he says, Believest thou? Now, everything Jesus said, since he had never lied to them, and everything he said came to pass, everything seemed to be right on track, all he had to do was say it, and they believed it. Amen? Now, there are some people I know when they say, now believe me on this, first thing I do is don't believe them. Amen? Especially if they're trying to sell me a used car. But nonetheless, in other words, Jesus is saying, haven't I already proved to you guys all the things you need to know to stay on track with my Father? I mean, haven't you seen any healings or miracles? Or haven't you not heard my teachings? Well, guess what? When the Father speaks through you guys, the same things are going to happen. You're going to see healings and miracles and teachings, but it's all coming from the same source. It's all coming from our Heavenly Father. Amen? Not just in the, the week he was in Jerusalem. Amen. He'd done some pretty good things in the last week or so, hadn't he? There's a guy named Lazarus. He was dead for four days, and Jesus said, that's enough. Come on back. Right? Raised him from the dead. Wow. And there was miracle on top of miracle and teaching upon, upon teaching. I like some of those teachings that he brought. And you know what he said about the little widow that only put in a couple pennies in the offering? <gasps> meanwhile, those rich guys was up there clanging the can and trying to shake all their money and counting it out in front of everybody so everybody know how much they put in the offering plate. She put in a couple pennies and he said, huh, she gave more than they did. Huh. Well, they learned a lesson there. If you notice, it starts in verse 10, which believest thou, and then in verse 11, he says, believest me. Now, he's using the word believe a lot there. Again, he's going to use it again in verse number uh, 12 too. But uh, what I want you to see is, he said, I am in the Father spiritually because we live in the same house. And what he teaches me has rubbed off on me because we live together. Amen. My father's taught me how to sit at the table and eat. My father has helped teach me the lessons I need to know why just simply by living in the same house. So uh, again, the works that he showed uh, that he was doing were the works that his father taught him to do. That's what we need to do. I live by my father's instructions and my father's teachings. 
That's what I want you to get so that you'll believe in him the same way you believe in me. Amen? You won't question God because you didn't question me. Now, just because you can't see him doesn't mean he's not there. Amen? Remember in verse 1, uh, way back, he said, uh, um, believe in, in me. Uh, if you believe in God, believe also in me. Well, there wasn't a Jew in Jerusalem that didn't believe in God during the Passover week. You know why? It was so etched into their history what the Passover was all about. Amen? You know what it is, right? The blood on the doorpost, all of that, right? God was in charge of all that. And if you didn't do what he said, you had to plan a funeral the next day. Right? Because the firstborn in that house was going to pass away. All right, so they believed in God, but now what about Jesus? Well, Jesus says we're the same. So why do you have problems believing God, but you don't believe me? Well, he dismissed all that doubt and all that misunderstanding. Verse 12, he says, okay, guys, pay attention now. You know what, they, what, he meant, what that means? Verily, verily. How many times have we talked about when Jesus says in the scripture, verily, verily, something important is about to happen. Something you need to get your iPad out and write down a note, put it in your phone and put it in your memory or do something, write it down, something's going to happen. I'm going to say unto you guys, this is important, don't miss it. Verily, verily, he's saying here in the 12th verse that uh, he that believeth on me. Again, this is the third time in three verses he's talked about believe. Hmm. You know why? That room was so full of doubt because they couldn't tie together the flesh and the spirit that Jesus was teaching. All they believed in was the fleshly side of him, if you would. Is there any doubt about the disciples' belief uh, in Jesus? Zero. None. Nada. Everything he said, hook, line, and sinker, they believed it. But now, the change is coming because Jesus is leaving. What are they going to believe now? Huh? Well, if you don't have everything etched in your memory solid as concrete, anything can come along and throw you off track. So Jesus wants them to know for three years he's proved himself to his students. That's what disciples mean. But now, graduation day. Amen. I know when you graduated from high school, probably nobody could tell you anything. You knew it all. Can I tell you something? I thought I was pretty sharp when I graduated from high school. I know I wasn't sharp as some of them because I was in the top third of my class, but just barely. Amen? Because that, that was a requirement for me to get to go to college. I wasn't a straight-A student like a lot of them were, or honor roll, or National Honor Society. Um, I have nothing against that. I just too lazy to work on getting there. But graduation day comes. I've learned a lot in the first 18 years of my life. But I got to tell you, it's nothing from the 19th to the 72nd year of my life what I've learned. Sometimes until you have to stand up and give account for what you know, you really don't know it. You understand it's in the books. You understand the teachers put it on the chalkboard. They even use him. They even use him. At, nah, we don't. Okay. Well, she puts it on her tablet or in their email or wherever. But nonetheless, uh, we get to the place where we think we've got it under control. Then the world hits us right between the eyes, and we find out we weren't as smart as we thought we were. Amen. But. Uh, as the students we thought we were, we need to be taught to do the works that we saw done by our leader, 
In this case, Jesus is telling them, uh, I want you guys not only to remember the works I did, but now I want you to do them. How about that? Whoa. Now let's look at that there in that particular verse, verse 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. Now who's he talking to? His, his 11. Judas is gone. You guys are going to do all the works I did. Do you know why? Because you're going to look to the same instructor that I had. It's the Father. And he taught me. So now you know how to do it because you've seen me do it. Now it's your turn to go do it. Amen? So after he says, ye shall do, there's a semicolon there. You know what that means? Add to that thought, if you would, because I go to my Father. Now he already told him he was going there. He's going to make reservations for him in Father's house, get a room for him. Amen? Spiritually, we need to go forward and let the Father guide us just like you watch the Father guide me is what he's telling his disciples. Amen? Because in verse 13, so whatsoever you ask in my name, I'll do it. Amen? I know a lot of people take uh, a lot of those thoughts because the Father and Christ were one. He could say, whatever you ask in my name, it's the same as asking God for it. Did you know that? Huh. We have the same results because it's coming from the same place. That was my purpose here before you guys, when we walked in this world, that was what God wanted me to do. So a lot of times we read this and people take these out of context and think, you know, if I pray about something, it's going to happen. 100% pure, it's going to do it. Can I tell you the reason God wants us to pray in a lot of cases is to get you a little more education. To open your eyes to the reality that's around you. Amen? Because if you already know everything and you're going to pray about something, a lot of people take that as, oh, it's time for me to tell God what I'm going to do. Huh? Yeah. I hear people praying. I think they're trying to inform God on what's going on as if he doesn't know. Come on. God, we need this. God, I've got to have that. God, I, oh, yeah. Those prayer lives get about as high as the soles on the bottom of your shoes, usually when God hears those kind of things going forth. Amen. What do we need to pray to God about? Get on the same page with him. Amen. It, prayer is a two-way conversation. As fast as you pray, your ears should be perked up to say, okay, God, what's your will say to that prayer? Amen. What do you have for me now? Verse 14 says, uh, If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Well, anything, huh? it has to be anything according to his will. Number one, it has to be in his name. He says, I will do it. You know, a lot of people take that as oh, a blank check. I'll just ask God. He'll fill in the numbers and sign his name to the bottom. Right? Well, that's not so much what Christ was teaching his apostles, and I'm sure they knew that without going into much detail. So then, as faithful as God has been to Jesus, he'll be just as faithful to you fellows moving forward. That's what he's saying. Because he's going to leave them. And they're so full of doubt, they can't connect the pieces of the puzzle together. They need to understand that God is going to help them in all that they do from this moment forward. In verse 15, it starts in the King James. They have one of them two-line backward P kind of things. I have no idea. We, we, I never could figure that out. I've had people tell me what it is. 
Debbie looked it up on the Google and explained it to me. And all it means is it's a paragraph change or a thought change. At this point, Jesus, I think, probably stood up at the table and stretched his legs a little bit and said, okay, guys, you all got that. Now we're going to move forward. And then he probably sat back down and, and took another bite of bread or another drink of the fruit of the vine and then probably said to him, Ben, I want you guys to be comforted moving forward. I want you to be comfort, comforted in the transition that's taking place this night. You ready for this, guys? He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. That sounds pretty simple, don't it? Huh? Do you know that he said that again? And back, look back in Matthew 13, 34. Amen. He says, you got to love one another just as I have loved you. Amen. Whoa. But he says, I'll tell you what, just to make sure you're on track, uh, uh, as we move forward, I want to put all the doubts out of your mind and I want you to replace those doubts in your mind with love in your heart. Amen? I have found that there are times when I have doubts about some things, I don't go looking around to see what I need to do to solve those doubts. I look to the love in my heart and say, God, how does this work? How am I supposed to move forward? Well, we're fortunate in 2022 because we have the comforter. He came into our lives, into our dwelling places, into our rooms, in Father's house, and guides us in what we need to be doing going forward. Amen? So we find this in the scriptures even. It's simple. If you love me, keep my commandments. Huh? Huh. Jesus said in, in John 13, 35, by this shall all men know you're my disciples. If you have love one to another. How about that stuff? All right. Well, let me insert here a thought that as I was in my study, uh, God put it on my heart. And you take it if you want and you apply it here because I think it really fits. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, uh, Paul says, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Did you know that? Because if they did, we wouldn't need Jesus. Then after he said that, there's a colon there. That means add to it. For, and that means because, they're foolishness unto him. If you only look at the things of God as how it fits you naturally, you'll never understand what's in God's word. You'll never find the truth, you'll never find the way, and you'll never find the life that Jesus said he was in uh, John 14 and 6. Then after you says unto him, their foolishness unto them, we got another semicolon. Neither can they know them because they are spiritually discerned. Whoa, Paul got an insight from the scriptures that he needed to pass on to us and for some reason that popped off the page at me in my mind in the study that I was putting this message together for. Is there any reason why the natural world around us is in such bad shape? Amen. I heard the statistics given at camp meeting. How many people, what percentage of just America, now not the whole world, of Americans in 1990 believed in God? Did you know it was 80%? You know what it is today? 13%. You wonder why the church seats are empty? Huh, it went from 80% down to 13%. Now, I'm not very good on math. I'll have to refer to my math student over here to straighten me out. That's a pretty good drop. Amen. There's not near as many people believe in God today as there was a few generations ago. Huh, wonder where they all went. Huh, they must have not put it in their iPad. But I tell you what I did find out by that. If you know God, 
you'll know peace. No God, no peace. Amen? Pretty simple, isn't it? And Jesus tried to drill that home to his disciples in that upper room. Amen? So when we get to verse 16, so now Jesus tells his disciples, I'm going to pray the Father. Remember, the Father's taught me everything I'm, I did, and now he's going to teach you. And I'm going to pray to him that he'll teach you one more thing. And that he'll give you what you need to make ends meet, if you would. And that is, there's going to be a comforter that comes. He's going to send the Holy Spirit. Now, throughout the rest of this particular chapter, he refers to that comforter in different terminology, in different ways, and in different thoughts. But he wants them to know, no need to worry. No need to doubt. No, to be, no need to be in confusion. It should be a smooth transition when I quit walking with you guys that the Holy Spirit will start walking with you guys and everything's going to move forward just the way your Heavenly Father wants it to work in His church. That's what my mission was when I came to this earth was to build His church. So His prayer is going to be that the Comforter come. The Holy Spirit. And he's going to say to him, He's just like me. He's just like the Father. And he'll be with you forever. Huh, how about that stuff? Do you know that the Holy Spirit is in this world now, no matter how much people reject him, they can't drive him out. He's here to stay. Amen? He even taps on their shoulder occasionally and tells them, you're messing up. You're making a mistake. You know how I know he does that? Because our jails in this country are full. Huh. Wonder why. Oh, when the Holy Spirit tapped on the shoulder and said, hey, don't do that. They said, oh, I'll do it my way. See where it got them? Now, I'm not saying everybody that's in jail is a really, 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 really bad person and didn't listen to the Holy Spirit never in their entire life. I don't want to want my signature on that document. But I will say this much because I know Rob Wiseman and I've talked to him many a times and that's his total mission is to go to prison and speak to those boys or whatever. I don't know whether he speaks to women or not, but speaks a lot to the fellows in prison, and they let him come in, and they will listen. You know why? He's been there. He knows. He can tell them what they're missing because it's what he missed that put him in there 50 years ago. Amen? But he got, while he was in there, he got a tap on the shoulder from the Holy Spirit. He got a copy of the Word of God, and he read it, and he believed it. And he listened to what the Holy Spirit brought as comfort to him and opened doors to that jail cell so that he could get out and be back, if you would, into this world. Verse 17 says, he's going to dwell with you. You know what dwell means? He's going to live with you. Isn't that something? When this Holy Spirit comes, you and him are going to be roommates. How about that stuff? Huh. Well, you're no more selfish because now he's going to share what he has and you can share with him your burdens and your issues and your thoughts. And then when you guys get it together, guess what's going to happen? You guys are going to do the same things that I did. We're going to work on this together. It's going to work out just fine. The comfort's in me while I'm with you because I'm from the comforter too. But while I'm gone in the flesh, he'll be your spiritual guide from then on. I, I got to tell you, there's probably times, and we may not even have read it in the scripture, but we know it probably took place because human flesh does these things. There's probably times when, just like in that video, 
The disciples thought, well, why don't we go here? Or why don't we do this? Or why don't we do that? And Jesus probably said to them, that's probably not the best for you. Amen? Probably ought not give in to that. Amen? I know Peter, he was ready to fight even in the garden. He pulled a sword out and cut off Malchus's ear. How about that? Jesus said, Peter, put it away. I got time for that. He reached down and picked the ear up off the ground and put it back on and healed it. He didn't even use gauze. I'm not sure. He probably didn't even put an antibacterial drip on it first. He just picked it up and put it on. I never read anywhere where Malchus ever had any more ear problems. You know, when Jesus touches you, he can pretty much cure whatever's ailing you. Amen? So we find out that he'll be the spirit of truth. Huh. You're, he's going to dwell in you. Because in verse 18 he says, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to come to you. Well, wait a minute. Are you coming back or what? What's the deal here? Well, I'm coming back, but I'm coming back in a different form. I'm coming back as your comforter. Amen? You need to know that. Just like the world doesn't follow me, along with that thought, the world's not going to totally follow the comforter. You guys are privileged to have the comforter share a room with you in Father's house. Did you know that? Because there's a lot of people in this world aren't sharing that room with the comforter. And what's it getting them? Amen? You know what they're following after? Well, we haven't got to it yet, but verse 30, Jesus tells them that the heat, they're following the prince of this world. Hmm, we know who that is, don't we? Amen. We'll get to that in a little bit. But in verse 18, he says, You're not even, you, you are not or even will be comfortless in the rest of your life if you listen to the comforter that I'm sending. He will always be there. Amen? That should have been a comfort to those guys that were full of doubt, that were full of questions, something they could hold on to and know that God was interested in taking care of them. And of course, you want to look on down, if you would, in the 19th to the 21st verses, and here is a lot of the things that Jesus says are going to change but they're going to change temporarily. We need to know some of these things because in a little while, the scripture says, I wonder what a little while is. Amen? You ever hear somebody said, uh, I'll be there in a little while. I often wondered, how long is a little while? Amen? Well, sometimes it seems like a little more than a little while when they tell me that before I see them. But Jesus says to these guys, in a little while, well, in this case, he's talking about 40 days or more. Hmm. But to Jesus, that's a little while. Amen. Compared to eternity, that's probably definitely a little while. But he says, you need to trust in the Father's plan. Do his will. Follow his leading. Do what you do. And keep on keeping on in the things of God. And everything's going to work out best for everyone. That's what he was telling them there. So now when we get to verse 22, this is his last upper room question. Now there were two disciples named Judas, and this Judas speaks up, but this is not the one that betrays him. He has already left the room. And Judas asks this question, Lord, how is it that you're going to make yourself known or manifest yourself to us and not to the world? How does that happen? Well, for us on this side of the Holy Spirit coming, that's a kind of a, I would say, a not to be asked, a silly kind of question, wouldn't it? Amen. How is Jesus going to make himself known to the disciples and not to everybody else in the world? Well, these things, he says, that are coming are... Uh, things that we need to understand. So what is coming? Things that are rational. Things that need to be understood. But they're going to be based in love and faithfulness. 
That's what he said in verse 15 and in verse 24. If you love me, keep my sayings. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, do what I said to do. Amen? All right. You know what? I think as a parent, when our kids do the opposite of what we tell them, we kind of question, do they really love me or not? You know, or was I just paying the bills for them? Amen? Sometimes uh, we uh, uh, question ourselves on that. But he says also, if you love me not and keep not my sayings, you're on your own in this world and in the coming future. Amen? Look at verse 25. These things have I spoken unto you while I'm still here, while I'm present with you. This is what I want you to know. I told you while I was here physically, but that's coming to an end shortly. Verse 26, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. He's going to verify everything that I've taught you, everything we've been through, and, but nonetheless, I'm still going to be with you. Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit and I are the same. Now, I won't be here in the flesh with you, but it shouldn't make any difference. You should have enough knowledge and background in your life to know what's going to be happening in the near future. Verse 27, peace I give unto you. Amen? Peace I leave you and my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, because their peace is temporary. Mine's permanent. Amen? That's how you're going to know, Judas. That's how you're going to know how I can teach you something and not teach it to the world. Their mind is closed to the truth. Their mind is closed to the way and the life that I can provide. Your mind should be open to those things. Amen? The Comforter is going to teach you things you should have already understood. You've graduated from high school. Now it's time to move on into the real education of this world. And that's a OJT, on-the-job training. Amen? This Comforter is going to teach you things just like I did. But now he's going to give it to you in a graduate course and not in an undergraduate setting. So... The peace that I have for you is in verse number 27. My peace I leave with you, I give it to you, not as the world gives it to give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Verse 1 said the same thing. Let not your heart be troubled. Amen? He knew their hearts were troubled. He knew they couldn't grasp this because they didn't have the Holy Spirit yet. But he sowed the seed so deep into them that when the Comforter did come, they didn't question it. Now, we could flip over to Acts, the second chapter, when they were all in the upper room and all of a sudden there was a rushing mighty wind and there were different things landing on their heads and on their shoulders and, and it looked like flames of fire, but it didn't burn them and didn't singe their hair. What was that? Well, guess what? They understood, oh, maybe this is what he was talking about the last time we were in the upper room up here. Ah, well, you have to have, if you would, a foundation to a teaching so that when it comes to pass, you'll understand how it works. Amen. I learned that in working on cars for a living. I have to know the systems of how things work so when it breaks and doesn't work right, oh, I know what's causing that problem. Amen. I can tell you, and I tell, I told Bonnie many a time, if somebody calls me and says my tractor won't start, I know I've got an easy call. I know that's going to be the easy, because I know everything it takes in order, it's the way it happens, on what color wire and how, all, the whole stroke on how to start a lawnmower. That's something. And all I have to do is start at one end, start down through there, check, 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 and if I get everything checked off the list, we're going to go. It's going to run. Amen. Now, I may have to change a solenoid or a battery or even a switch 
or fuse. Who knows? But I know everything in that system. You know what? That makes my job so easy. Amen? I wish everybody's lawnmower didn't start. They'd have to call me. But that's not the case. Most of them tear up something else and it still starts, but they won't do what they want it to do. But nonetheless, I'm just teasing on that portion just to keep your attention. But there are things that Jesus taught. You guys got to start at the beginning. Amen. It ain't going to start if the battery's dead. If you leave the key on, it'll kill the battery. Amen. There are things you just need to know. If the fuse is blown, you may have a great battery. It ain't going to do a bit of good. Amen. Because the circuit is not complete. One thing I've learned about electricity, it never leaves home without a way to get back home. So you have to not only have the positive hooked up, you also have to have the ground or the negative hooked up because nothing's coming out of that battery no matter how much charge is in there if there's no ground. Now, if it don't have a way back home, it ain't leaving home. Amen? That's just, that's just electricity. Well, guess what? Jesus has a way of teaching us some of those same, same things. Jesus is saying here to his disciples, it's time for me to go bye-bye. I'm a-leaving, but I'm not leaving you stranded. So don't be sad. Verse 28 to 31 is the end of the chapter there. And in that he said, I don't want you to be sad. I want you to know I'm telling you all this. So when it comes to pass, you'll understand all of this. Amen? You're going to be right where you need to be. Amen? When it comes to pass, you'll know why I had to do it the way I did it. Amen? It had to be done that way. In verse 30, hereafter, it'll be spiritually discernment that you guys are going to need in the face of all the teachings that you're going to run into. You're going to need spiritual discernment for that. Now we need to know the difference between uh, what I say and what the prince of this world says. Remember I told you verse 30 is where the prince of the world was suggested. The devil will try to give you an alternative to everything God has. Everything, and I've said it before, everything that God wants to do in your life, the devil has a counterfeit for it. Amen. And God wants you to have eternal peace in knowing him and his comforter. And the devil wants you to have temporary peace. Temporary comfort. Amen. A lot of the things people do, I, I got to tell you, how many of you watched fireworks this last weekend? Sure you did. You know why? How quick are they gone? I watched the dollar bills just burn as they go up through the sky. Amen. Amen. Do you know how much it costs for the Reds to shoot up a bunch of fireworks off a barge on a Friday night? It's a lot of money. And it's over in just a few minutes. It's pretty. We like to be entertained by it. We're excited in the natural world, in the flesh world. Our eyes get all hooey-hooey, right? But it's over pretty fast. Amen. You can't recall them other than say, I saw it. Amen. Can you relate it to a blind person? Tell them, hey, you should have seen those fireworks. Well, I'm blind. Well, tell me about it. What does it look like? Go ahead. Try to explain it. You'll not be successful because the things of this world are temporary. Amen. So your heart will know the truth and your heart will know the error of falseness. Amen. Brother Steve taught a lot on that in Sunday school. In verse 31, we're going to close out the, this particular chapter. It says, what I do for you from here on out is to prove that God and I are on the same page. Amen. What I do for you, that's what God's going to do for you because we want to be what God needs to have in this world. If God's not glorified by what you do in your life, you're probably doing the wrong thing. Amen. That's what he's saying. Amen. Now, Jesus said, I'm, I'm done. And the glory that I deserve or get or whatever should be, I don't need it from you guys. I need it from my Father. 
I want to make sure he is thankful for everything I did while I was in this world. Amen? I can tell you, the real people of this world, and especially the prince of this world, could care less about it. And they're not going to glorify Christ for what he did. But if you have salvation in your life, you'll glorify the Father, which glorifies Jesus Christ. So now, let's get up, let's leave the room, and let's go forward for the Father. That's what he said in the last line. Arise, let's go hence. We're going somewhere, boys. They get up, stretch their legs, maybe put their shoes back on, and where do they go? They head out of the upper room, down the city street, to the gate to the city of Jerusalem, down through the valley and across the river Kidron, up into Mount Olives, to a garden called Gethsemane. Now there's a lot more that takes place. Chapter 15, chapter 16, and chapter 17 in the Gospel of John takes place between the upper room and getting to the garden. Or when they get to the garden, because in the gardens where Judas brings in the band that's going to arrest him. So those three chapters are not in the upper room, but they're as they're leaving the upper room going to a place to spend the night. They had reservations in the Mount of Olives. It's just a garden, just a place where you can sleep under the trees. In case there's a heavy dew, the tree leaves will absorb it instead of laying on you. You'll get up with a dry pillow, which is a rock that you put there the night before. Amen? But uh, the church... We need to be the church. And the only way we can be the church that Jesus wants us to be is to be guided by the one he left for us to comfort us, the Holy Spirit. If we have the Holy Spirit sharing our room with us in God's house, things are going to be what God wants them to be. And remember, Jesus never said it was going to be easy, just worth it.